This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by The Rope Trainer. And as John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Check out theropetrainer.com today. As always, special thanks to Earl Perrin, Chris Vernon, and, of course, the Hall of Famer John Smoltz for their dedication to addressing this arm epidemic that seems to be uh, never-ending with our baseball generation. Uh, I've had some great conversations with people last week about this and um, you know, where are we at in this whole thing and how do we fix it? I don't have the answer to that. All I know is there's great people out there trying and uh, to bury our head in the sand is definitely no way to do it. So uh, we have to count on guys like these people to uh, try to fix it or, or at least try to help. I don't know that we're ever going to fix it. But, um, you know, when you have people that have something to assist and they actually go out and say, well, not only do we think this is the right thing, we're going to go out and try to prove it. And that's what they've done. And that's why I would encourage you to check out theropentrainer.com today. <clears throat> I want to thank everybody for uh, giving me a week off. <laughs> I, I, uh, I had sent some people a note. I, it was my birthday last week. My wife surprised me. I uh, had called in and said she wanted to take me away for my birthday. And, you know, they had made arrangements at work. So I, uh, I got up in the morning, and she had her stuff ready. And I said, well, i got to go in. She said, no, you don't. I've already taken care of it. So... <laughs> To everybody, I apologize, and to those that uh, had sent messages and I had replied to, thank you for your understanding. But we are back, and <clears throat> the topic that I was interested in talking about, I received uh, an email, and I want to read it because it's funny. I, I, I felt awful because I, I received this one, and I get this all the time, and I haven't really addressed it. I talk about this a lot, but I've never specifically talked about my thoughts on this topic. And I received this from a coach uh, in Georgia. Uh, from Sugar Hill, Georgia, and his name is Ted, Ted Dorner, and I, I had asked him if it was okay that if I if I mentioned this and talk about it on the show, and because he had asked me a question, I said, "How about if I answer it by doing a whole show about it?" Because it's time, and he said that'd be great. So, uh, his his uh, his his comment: Our nine U baseball team is a our, our nine U baseball team are cage warriors, blasting away in the cage, but not so much in the game. We typically hit off coaches in the cage. I wonder what suggestions you would have or resources you would recommend. Maybe the kid should hit off kids in live BP or hit off machines. Any help is appreciated. So I know you guys have heard, and then thank you, Ted, as, again, this is, you know, I don't, I have no idea why I get this all the time. Uh, something about yours just made me think, you know what, it's time we, we talk about this. And, and, and then let me preface this by saying that I'm sure there's a thousand different ways to skin this cat because this is an age-old problem that, uh, the term cage warriors kind of, I'm not going to say it's like new today, new, but you know, it's been going around for a few years, but there's always been some term to discuss, you know, a uh, practice. I think the old term would be practice player, game player, but in the end, um, this is an issue. And I, I have a theory on this. I don't have any scientific backing on this. I don't have anything other than good old fashioned. Uh, this is what I've seen. This is what I've noticed. And to be quite frank, it's what makes sense to me. I've had this conversation with numerous, numerous people. Um, everybody has an opinion on it, but I think everybody will agree with one of the things I'm going to say. So 
we will talk about it today as I think it's an interesting thing that um, it can be frustrating. It can be frustrating for parents. It can be frustrating for coaches. And it, and it, and it can be frustrating for people that I would call trainers, you know, like hitting instructors or, or, or coaches that do the, the off-season training, things like this. You see a kid that has all this talent and, and does all these things and, and you know, and, and sometimes you're sitting there working with a kid and you're looking at dad and they're doing all these things in a cage and dad is telling you in private, you know, he's struck out three times and he's late and he did. And you get all that, right? And you get it as a coach and, and you get it as a, as a trainer. And then the parents pulling their head out. The kid doesn't know what to think. And then, as my friend Steve Springer would tell you, then the real pressing starts mentally, and then it all goes goes to hell in a handbasket. So we got a lot of things at play here. But I do have some thoughts uh, of, of things that I've seen that I think are a big part of, of, of assisting with us. Again, I don't know that anything's perfect, but we will talk about it, and I, do, uh, I, I am interested in, in getting into it. I do want to remind you before we do to check us out at uh, youthbaseballtalk.com. Uh, I'm going to ask to ask you to subscribe to the show. It's free, uh, especially with Christmas time coming. I'm going to ask, as I always do, to do your shopping at Amazon through our, our website there. Uh, some of you are doing it already, especially with uh, baseball equipment and things like that. But with Christmas coming, I'm sure a lot of people are going to do it. It would mean a lot to us on the show. My producers, Brian Crock, Andrew Allen, benefit from that. That's how we take care of them. So. Uh, again, if you could if you could do your shopping at Amazon through our website, it would be great. It doesn't cost you anything, and you're done with us when you click it. We get a very small referral, and it would mean so much to us. And, uh, you know, social media is a big part of how we stay in tune with what people are talking about and what interests them. Um, at Podcast Baseball is where you'll find us on, on Twitter. And uh, if you follow us and we can uh, tell pretty quickly that you're a, a – a baseball person, we're going to follow you back because we're interested in what you have to say. The big push is always Facebook. We're going to ask that you go to Youth Baseball Talk. You know, you just type it in the search bar there. Once you get there, click uh, like and follow. Uh, we'd love for you to invite your friends as we'd like to, to start growing our Facebook page and start using it a little bit more to the benefit of the show. That would mean so much to us, and we do appreciate it. Instagram, you can find us, Youth Baseball Talk as well. And, of course, you can find us as part of lineupmedia.fm, not only a podcast network anymore, but also a home of the streaming platform, Yo Radio. You'll want to go to your mobile device, download Yo Radio. It's free. Uh, leave them a review. They'd greatly appreciate it. But the new version's out. It's sleek. It's easy to use. And I'm telling you, you guys are going to love it. That's Yo Radio. Uh, I, uh, I I feature one of our one of our partners every week, uh, first and foremost, and, and like to, to hear what they have to say and what's going on in their world. Uh, Dirk Dombrowski does a tremendous job as representing Precision Impact. Uh, I usually find myself talking about some of the products from Precision Impact with the kids that I work with. Uh, one of the most, I'm going to tell you my story to give you a quick personal thing with Precision Impact. I can't tell you the number of kids that I've looked at in a cage that I've been helping. And I talk to them about drills that they can do. And they kind of look at me sometimes with that look of, well, how am I supposed to do this? I don't have a cage and I don't have this. And I'm always like, listen, there, well, there's a will, there's a way, and I wind up talking to them and their parents about PrecisionImpact.ca because when, it, especially when it comes to hitting, they have the products that you can use at home in a controlled environment. You know, whether it's wiffle balls, squishies, uh, if you get, if you have enough room backyard, you don't even need a ton of room for the heavier slugs. Okay, you guys can use these slugs; they don't go very far. You don't have to chase them all that far. They're great to use. Uh, as I always say, you know, batting practice isn't always possible, like for a team. So you buy these slugs, and you can front toss them, and you don't have to worry about it killing anybody. You don't have to worry about chasing them all over God's creation. 
these are great to use for practice too at home because you know you'll get a kid that acts like for some reason if he doesn't have a cage or he doesn't have a big field to go hit he can't practice that's not true and I'm telling you, precisionimpact.ca has all this stuff that you can use for that. They also focus on arm, arm care and throwing. They have the plyo balls, weighted baseballs. They've got the mini rebounder, V-bands, wrist weights, everything you need, folks, at precisionimpact.ca. Don't forget that when you check out, you can use uh, youth baseball talk in the coupon area, discount area, receive yourself 10% off. Uh, that's my personal story with precisionimpact.ca. I can't say enough that kids – if they really want to work at this and if you really want to help them, it's almost like the fishing thing, right? If you, if you feed somebody fish, you know, you fed them for a day. If you teach them how to fish, you've taught them how to do it a lifetime. You know, getting kids stuff like this so that they can do this on their own, it, it promotes what they should be doing. And that's working on their own away from the field, away from working with a trainer 30 minutes a week. So great stuff, and they have it. And they've got a tremendous guy in Dirk Dombrowski that really shares great stuff. And we're going to see what he has for us this week. Take it away, Dirk. Thanks, Jim, and thanks, Youth Baseball Talk. As always, my name is Dirk, and on today's Precision Impact Rundown, I'm on location with a very special guest, Lindsey Burns. I mentioned uh, on my last segment uh, heat and cold and when to apply them and the difference between an acute injury and a chronic injury. And so this is a little bit, a bit of a follow-up so that people understand a little bit more about how to recover faster, which is ultimately always a huge goal for baseball players to recover as best they can, as efficiently as they can, so they can perform at their peak performance. So welcome today, Lindsay Burns. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So if you don't mind just explaining a little bit about the nature of endermology and what it is and what it means for everybody so they can understand. Yeah, so endermology was invented in the mid-80s in France, and it was designed to break down scar tissue increase blood circulation and boost the lymphatic system so I deal with a lot of injuries or people who have had surgery um, inflammation you name it it kind of works on anything which is I mean every baseball player is probably thinking <laughs> at some point they've experienced that and myself included I really think that I've experienced a lot of inflammation in my time some strains in my shoulder my UCL all throughout my, my college and baseball career and at the time, it was just a lot of give it some rest, ice it a little bit, run poles. And so as we're progressing, I think, through life and we're, we're, we're discovering more and more methods of getting us back to 100% faster, I think entomology is something that should be on people's radar. And so a lot of people as it is, what do you think people are doing today um, to, to get a similar result, which, I mean, I, I don't believe they're getting as good of a result as they could get with entomology, but what do you think people today are doing that could be in the same realm of endermology, but just not as effective? Yeah, so, I mean, foam rolling, shockwave, yeah. you, there are lots of options out there that are kind of achieving the same thing. The difference with endermology is it's achieving multiple things at the same time. So it's able to get deeper than a deep tissue massage. It's using suction that's pulling apart that damaged thickened tissue, um, which is kind of blocking just your body's regular natural movement patterns. Um, and then as well, it's using vibration at the same time. So all of that's increasing your blood flow, which just promotes natural, faster healing. For sure. There's there's a lot of, of tools out there. And I'm not here to say one is uh, bad for you and one is good for you. I'm simply wanting to express the the, the nature and the difference and, and let you be your own sort of your own judge of what's going on here. And, and I saw it, uh, Manny Machado using one in the World Series and it looked like... Um, a Dremel or a Tim Tam, they call them, where it's just like a punching bag on your arm. Um, there's body buffers where you're using basically just like vehicle buffers on your body 
foam rolling. Um, and from what I can tell, a lot of those tools apply compression. They're basically pushing in on you to break up instead of pulling layers apart, which could you go in a little bit more detail into the nature of the tools and the heads you use and the machine itself? Yeah, so um, by pulling that tissue apart, what you're doing is you're allowing the cells to regenerate back into their natural form. So I use the analogy a lot that it's like pickup sticks, um, where when you start to play, everything's lined up. That's how your body starts originally. And then as you get injured, as you're just sometimes even it's just use or overuse. Um, they start to kind of line up in, in different patterns. So the suction pulls that apart, breaks it down, and then allows those cells to regenerate back into their their best kind of for sure and, and if you're if you're still having a little bit of trouble visualizing this yeah. uh, check it out online it, it's it looks more like a bit of a vacuum head that separates these layers of fascia and skin and then two wheels on the side that allow to pinch or compress from the sides rather than just through applying brute force and it is sometimes referred to as like a vacuum massage purely because of that suction element to it but that's for kind sure. of like the missing main ingredient that yeah. i think some other modalities just aren't pulling pulling the the affected area apart so for for myself it would be more like my shoulder rotator cuff lat um ucl and, and again like i find that it's just a lot more uninvasive rather than putting brute force into it and i've had shockwave done i've had needling done i've had um a lot of at work done and i find that this is very uninvasive and very easy on my arm and it doesn't really feel like much is happening which was my biggest skeptical uh part of it initially but the results kind of spoke for themselves i started just feeling like my arm wasn't sore nearly as long and then not sore whatsoever and then just feeling even better when i was throwing um, and I hadn't really changed too much of my recovery um, routine. And, and so adding this small element into it, I found that there was just some massive improvements. And I just think that a lot of baseball players, particularly pitchers, um, because when I when I read up a little bit on entomology, it was it was just blasted all over the place about pitchers and how this this is this works really well in the baseball realm. And so trying to tie this in a little bit with my explanations with hot and cold, understanding your body, taking more responsibility for some of your injuries and not leaving them into the hands of a coach or necessarily your parents and by by being informed and having information it makes you way more powerful and way more capable of getting back on track to where you want to hopefully be at the professional level and so again tying this in with precision impact I'm just a strong believer in not just doing the the most basic, you know, static stretching before a game, you know, um, using more dynamic tools, which entomology, in my opinion, is a very dynamic tool for its versatility in terms of uh, suction power. Could you go a little bit more on how, how versatile the tools and the machine itself is? Yeah, so we can do anything from like a targeted treatment to a full body treatment. So I because I deal with a lot of injuries or people who have had surgery, most of the time it's a little bit targeted. But if you're using it in a more proactive way, then you're using it a little bit more full body. For sure. Um, so it, it just really depends. For an athlete, definitely more full body would probably, would probably benefit you. Um, and so Precision Impact offers tools in the same realm where it's trying to be a little bit more proactive by warming up consistently, dynamically, allow having the tools to recover, which allows you to ultimately perform at at higher intensities to allow you to perform more consistently 
um, which is ultimately going to allow you to stick out a little bit more in terms of games to scouts, to colleges, to schools, to other teams, or just ultimately, which has always been my goal, to just be a really good teammate, to be doing what I can outside of the sport so that when I do go join my team again, I'm capable of making major contributions, which is ultimately what I believe a lot of kids should be focusing on, not so much um, the end result, but the process itself, contributing as much as you can in the moment. Um, effort, right? Because without a lot of that effort, results just don't come. If you just focus on the results, I find that we kind of get further away from them. But when we just really allow us to sink into effort and, you know, educating ourselves, I believe those results just come that much easier without, you know, maybe focusing or dwelling on them nearly as much. Um, so, can you use endermology proactively as well as reactively, or is it primarily used as a, you know, once you start feeling some pain, is that when it should start to be applied? I would say that's when the majority of people use it, but there's definitely no harm in using it proactively. I actually always suggest to have a treatment and then within the three to six hours after that, that you work out just because your body's working at such an optimized rate. Um, so definitely, definitely it can be used proactively. For sure. And I think a lot of baseball players, as it is, they have their own proactive things that they're doing. And I think this is just a really good tool for people that have actually suffered, um, whether it's an acute or suffering from chronic pain, because this can be just as helpful for both. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a tool. Again, the more you know, and even if, if it's not something you're interested in, at least, at the very least, you know that there is something out there. Um, instead of just saying this is the one way or the highway kind of thing like that, I'm trying to inform as many people as I can about some things that I'm finding success for, for my body parts, specifically my shoulder, elbow, um, and back and stuff like that. So, um, precision impact also provides a lot of tools. If you haven't checked us out, please do so. Um, on Instagram at precisionimpact.ca or look us up at Facebook on YouTube. Just certain, go in the search bar and look up Precision Impact. You'll find us on both. Um, Lindsay, I really want to thank you for joining me today and letting us know and informing us a little bit more about endermology and what you do. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks everybody for listening today. Take care. Great stuff as always from Dirk. And again, um, I, I can't tell you how much you guys need to check out precisionimpact.ca. That stuff will help. I promise you. Check it out. Use it, utilize it. You won't be sorry. Um, so this back to this reading again, and and basically the gist of the of the email, very simple. Uh, I, I, my kids look great in a cage, and they look like crap in a game. I'm not gonna. I mean that that's bad to say, but they they look great in a game. Can't hit. They're struggling in the games. Let's just say that. Okay. So here's my thoughts on this. Well, number one. Uh, as I talk to kids all the time, one of the things I do with the kids that I work with, I try to get out to see them playing games. Now, I can't be everywhere at once, but I try to at least get out. I ask the parents, hey, let me know when they're playing nearby. Let me know their schedule. Let me know what's going on. And, and I will especially do that if a parent comes to me. And this is where communication is key too, folks. I would recommend this. Number one, don't go to and go, well, he's hitting like crap. You know, I think if you went to the trainer and said, you know, he's really struggling and I don't I, I, I don't I'm not sure if he's implementing in game situations what he does here with you. That's the best way to approach trying to get a trainer, to, you know, because they're busy. I, I'm not I, I only do it a little bit. I, I'm not like a full time hitting hitting guy. Right. I only help kids get athletic in the box and then they go to somebody much better than me when the time comes. But I don't do it full time. You know, I work with about eight to ten kids. 
uh, I get out to see them, especially when the parents come to me and tell me they're struggling. I make it a point. And typically, if you go out and watch a kid in a game, you'll see a lot of things very clearly. And you don't even need to see, like, it isn't like, well, not today. No, you can see it very clearly, okay? That being said, some of the stuff that I find very simply when it comes to the whole cage warrior thing, and this is <laughs> this is the common sense thing. So when I talk to a kid and I change what I call the controlled environment in the cage, the, an ultra-controlled environment is hitting off the tee. Ball's not moving. It's sitting on a tee. That's ultra-controlled. Controlled environment would be front toss uh, where you're just throwing it right in there so they can get swings and work on something. You know, all, a, 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 a tad controlled environment is BP. Most coaches that throw BP are really, really good at throwing BP. Uh, and then you have a not-so-controlled environment where I've seen coaches do this. Uh, they will say, hey, listen, when we're taking more like a – it's not so much BP. It's more of a, hey, you know, we're going to roll through here. You're going to get one pitch for me. And if you don't, if you don't, you know, if you don't hit this, you don't score up this first pitch fastball here for me situation, I might throw you, you know, and certain guys can't do this, but some guys can. I'm going to throw you a little curveball here from 40 feet. I might, I might take a little off of it. I might work. So, you know, there's some of that. And then obviously you have game situations where kids may throw bullpens in the cage and you have hitters stand in or you play in games, right? Those are the least controlled. Now, going back to this, what I wind up having a conversation with kid and mom and dad about, or coach, if I'm helping a team, whatever it is, is very simply this. Why do you think the kids hit so well in controlled situations? And that would, and, and let's just move past the T, right? Let's say front toss or BP or a machine. Why do you think they hit so well? Well, number one is, in their mind, they already know that it's that it's a hittable pitch. That's the number one issue that I see in this whole thing. You get into a game and they start adding in there, is it a strike? Is it not a strike? Is it going to hit me? Is it going to be, you know, what do I do? That's the number one issue. And it's and, it, and again, this isn't rocket science. This is logic. So part of the teaching of the game of baseball is to explain to the kids, and I try to do this, is listen, and, and again, this is just, my my theory, and I've heard a lot of other people coach it this way. So, but it's like I always tell kids, what is the number one thing you have to decide in the box? And ninety nine times out of a hundred, especially the kids that have never answered the question before, will say whether to swing or not. And I'm like, no. And they kind of look at me like, well, what else is there? <laughs> it's like, no. The only decision is to stop your swing. You're swinging every time. See, I don't think kids understand what the swing really is. You know, the, the whole load-up process, the gathering of energy, the stride, the start, the rotation with the lower half. That should happen every time. And if kids aren't doing that, then they are what? They are not. And this is the term I use, and you guys can use whatever you want, but I always say, if you're not doing that every time, then you're not ready to hit. The number one thing I do in a cage with a kid that is struggling in games that's doing well in the cage, it's really simple. You can do it with front toss. All you got to do is front toss him about five balls in a row and then do one and don't let it go and see what happens. If they aren't down in their core, if they aren't rotating the lower half with the upper body all loaded up, then they're not ready to hit. All they're doing is just swinging after they see it come out of your hand. Just swinging. See, to me, that's part of it. Have we 
roboted these kids up so much that that's how they approach these things because of all the controlled environments of what we do. So how do you fix this? Well, you know, I tell my kids all the time, I'll, I'll front toss the heck out of you and try to get you out. So now what are you going to do? Now, front toss, BP, that's a little rough because even though you're not throwing it as hard as you can, you're not doing this, it's from a really close distance, okay? People say, well, yeah, but you're not. No, it's not true because the timing mechanism and all that, I don't, I don't see that as being ultra fair. Now, that being said, it's really good to teach kids to concentrate on how am I approaching this quote-unquote at bat. So that's one of the things that I'll do. But I'm telling you, the number one thing is to find out that if, if they are in their swing when they take pitches. I've told kids this 100 times. I've sat on a bucket for years. And when you watch and when you play other teams, you'll play against teams that have these big kids that hit the snot out of it if they happen to run into it. But I'll tell them all the time, if you have good pitching and you watch this big kid, watch how he takes pitches. The kid that takes pitches where he's all loaded up and his lower half kind of goes a little bit, and that's how he takes pitches, that's the kid that makes me nervous because that's a hitter. The kid that takes a pitch and never flinches, I mean, I can pitch around him. I can pitch him all day long. <laughs> we'll just get him off balance real quick. We'll throw him some strikes not in the zone, get him all fired up, and then throw him some just change-ups or pitch him outside or pitch him. I mean, what's he, you know, you pitch a kid like, you pitch a kid typically, if you got a good fastball, you can pitch inside to a guy that doesn't flinch when he takes pitches. He's going to be late, or he's going to hit it off the handle. I mean, now, do you, do, you, do you get a kid that just guesses right and, and does all that? Well, sure, that happens. You get a kid that's real athletic and big, sure, that happens too. That's baseball, right? I'm talking about on the consistent level of trying to become a hitter. What is your approach? I mean, we don't talk near enough about approach. When they're young, we're just trying to get them to do this and do that. So, you know, for this gentleman, he's, he's nine years old. Well, I haven't had the conversation with him, but, you know, I, maybe I should have before I did this. But, you know, I don't know what their situation is. Did they just come from machine pitch? Is this their first year of kid pitch? Is this, there's a lot of things that go into play that you have to also take into it. I, the, his, his question to me really took more on the level of what's the generalized issue? And the generalized issue, no matter what age you are, is, is that if you're a cage warrior, that means your approach at the plate is usually not good. Now, when a kid is young, we expect the approach to not be that great. This is something that takes time. It's a mental situation. There's a lot of stuff that goes on with this, folks. But see, that's my number one thing that I talk to kids about. The reason you hit so well in a cage is because, in your mind, it's you've already taken out the guesswork. <laughs> you've already taken out the hardest part of hitting. To, you know, and, and, and you could say to swing or not to swing, but as I teach it, you're always swinging. You're just stopping your swing. That's how, I, I mean, again, that's my thing. That's how I coach kids. Uh, my number one, you know, like I do all kinds of drills that I really like to, to see where they're at in their swing. You know, I love, I think the best drill in the world is the stop at contact drill or stop at extension drill. And, and you can really see their bat path. But what you can really see is how did they get there? You know, the kid that stops his swing at contact or at extension and it's all the way on the left side of his body is, is way over the top rotating, right? We want those kids stopping out in front, you know, palm up, all that kind of stuff. Okay, that tells you when you have an issue. Well, I can tell you right now, if you're front tossing the heck out of some kid and you stop and he doesn't flinch, you got an issue. I mean, right there will tell you that they are not ready to hit. Now, moving on to some of his other things, 
I absolutely 100% believe that kids should pitch to other kids all the time when you can. Why not? Why not? The, let me tell you something. Here's one thing that you're never going to get away from, folks, and don't ever, like, you can have this conversation with whoever you want. And, and, hang on, I'm going to address the quick one real fast. Hit off of machine. Well, obviously, if you're playing machine pitch, I agree 100%. My personal opinion, once you're done with machine pitch, you need to put the machine away until they're old enough to understand what it's for. Because most kids, not all, I would say a large majority, just do nothing but time up the machine and they could have an all like it, it just it's fine it is what it is I have no issue with it in fact I love machine pitch I think it's great for baseball I think nine you across the country should be wooden bat machine pitch that's what I think it should be I don't think kids should kids don't need to pitch till they're 10 I mean I, that's my opinion so back to the real thing here so when you look at it I love 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 kids BP every year we would start I, I was the only one doing this that I knew of, and everybody thought it was crazy. And I thought this was this was weird, it, just in our area. But, I mean, we, a month before the season started, would start pitching, have our kids pitch to hitters. Now, we would do a game situation. We would start with a, with a one, we would start with an 0-1 count, or with a one-strike count, no walks, okay? And the kid would only get X amount of pitches because we're, we're work, we would also build up arm strength. We'd treat them like bullpens. But you started with a one-strike count, and that would promote the hitter to be aggressive because he's already got a strike. And at a young age, you're like, listen, we're just throwing fastballs here to try to throw strikes. So as we developed our guys, that's what we did. So we got the kids in there and said, listen, here we go. Let's hit. We're here to hit. I also, as a coach, always never, ever, ever took on 3-0. Never took two. Listen, we're here to hit. You have to send a message to your team that you would prefer them to be aggressive and work on the other stuff later. Listen, the, the number one thing you don't want to have is a kid that doesn't want to get in there and hit. And I think we promote that a lot at the youth level. Take, 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 take. Why? Because the kids struggle to throw strikes. So we're going to take, 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 take. Well, do you know how many close pitches and how many strikes kids take because the coach wants to win a game at 9 years old and 10 years old? A lot. I don't think that's a good mentality to have. I don't think it helps us one bit. I think if you really want to help the kid, tell him to get in there and swing the crap out of it and try to try to hit. So just some of my thoughts on it. I don't know that any of them are uh, perfect. I don't know that any of them are, you know, without fail. But that's where I'm at on it. Uh, I, I, you know, some kids, you're never going to get this. Some are just scared. That's really a hard thing. Because if a kid, it's like playing football, tackle football. Kids can't play tackle football if they don't like contact. They can suit up, and they can go out there, but you can't really play the game. Like I said, you can suit up, you can go do whatever, you can't really play the game, okay? So if you're scared in the batter's box, you can't really play the game. Again, you can stand there, you can put on a uniform, you can go out and play, but you can't really play the game the way it was meant to be played if you're concerned at all about getting hit. It's, it's really hard to do. And it's a shame. Uh, I understand. I always tell people all the time, who the hell wants to get hit with a baseball? I don't. I'm a grown man. I don't want to get hit with a baseball from a kid. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just, it's that's a tough thing, too. That plays into it. Don't think it doesn't. And even the kids that say, absolutely, I'm not scared of it. Uh, nobody wants to get hit by baseball. So those are kind of my thoughts on it. Um, 
like I said, number one, I absolutely love kids pitching to one another. I think you, there should be more of it, especially before the season starts. You're bullpenning with your kids anyway. Why wouldn't you have them pitch to one another? And you sit there and think to yourself, well, what we're doing is we're standing around here. Well, I don't understand. That's what you're going to be doing. If you have games in a couple weeks, if you can't throw strikes, I mean, isn't that what you're going to be doing? If you can't dedicate some time to go out there and do some control, what I call controlled scrimmages, then what are we doing? That's always my favorite. Well, we're wasting time. Yeah, okay. I understand that you got to practice other things too, but this is part of it. You can't have it both ways. It's like I always say, my favorite number one thing in the whole wide world is when kids start throwing curveballs. I you you have no many how many you have no idea how many times I've asked this question to coaches. You got to stay back on that curveball. You got to you got to wait on it. I'll look at the majority of them going, how many curveballs have they practiced hitting? I mean seriously, I we love the shout out instruction, but it's like sending a guy to a, a gunfight with a knife. You know, I don't know. I, but yes, I love the hitting off the kids. I think it's a great thing in the controlled environments where the coaches are controlling it. Find out if they're prepared to hit. And I think the number one thing is to, as a coach or a parent or a, or a trainer, are you promoting them to be aggressive and hit? Are we in an environment where we're taking pitches all the time because we're trying to win games at 9, 10, 11, 12 years old? Ask yourself those questions, and I think you'll find your own answer. Enjoyed that question. Thanks to Coach uh, Dorner. I hope I said that right, Ted. I appreciate it, and um, I hope I answered your questions uh, the best I could. And, again, remember, these are not scientific facts, folks. These are my opinions based on my own experiences and my own conversations with numerous people. I want to thank Ted for that. It was a great conversation. I love it. Love that one. Love it, love it, love it. been wanting to do that for a while. Uh, we've heard from Dirk Dombrowski with Precision Impact. Let's go now to my friend and yours, Kurt McNabb, as he represents the ropetrainer.com with their – Rope report each and every week. Kirk, everybody knows him from Dirtbag Baseball Nation, is a tremendous uh, coach, tremendous motivator, loves the mental part of the game and what it means. Uh, I think, uh, I, you know what, I would love to hear Kirk's opinion on my thought about the approach in the box being the number one problem uh, when it comes to kids translating the cage to the game and, and the role that the coach is playing it. So I, if I know Kirk, he will send me a note on his opinion on today's topic, as he usually does. So I'll be curious to see what he has to say. But let's hear what he has for us this week. Kurt McNabb, Dirtbag Baseball Nation, with his rope report. Hey, hey, Dirtbags. Kurt McNabb, Dirtbag Baseball Nation, here with the rope report. Uh, first off, let's, uh, let's congratulate all the listeners out there from Red Sox Nation. Uh, hey, great World Series. Congratulations again. Um, what is there really to say about that? Domination from the start of the year to the, to the end. Uh, from... You know, just great to see a guy like David uh, Price get off the uh, losing streak in the playoffs uh, to uh, Steve Pierce. You know, a guy starts the year on the uh, disabled list, gets traded from the Blue Jays to the Red Sox in June, and then ends up uh, World Series MVP. I mean, awesome stuff. Uh, hey, don't forget about a Mookie Betts all year long, so on and so forth, right down the line. Just, just a really good season. Um, excellent. So, hey, congratulations. All right, this week I want to get talking about uh, something that's uh, still still a big piece that I'm seeing missing more and more, and and, and I, I, we've got to change it, and we got to keep talking about it and, and communicating about it, and that's you know has baseball gotten too corporate uh, at the amateur and, and collegiate level, too corporate and business like on the parenting and the and the coaching side of things, and and it has, it has. Um, 
We ask questions to the players, not the coaches and the parents, but we ask questions to our players that we work with hands-on as well as uh, remotely, globally, uh, that deal with us and, and work with our mindset programs all the time. And, you know, we also, I'm also looking at uh, online social media uh, platforms and trying to figure out which ones uh, gravitate and, and, and intrigue the, the most followers and stuff like that. And it's the ones that get back to keeping it light and, and keeping it, keeping it fresh um, without, without paralyzing us and, and, and being so structurally sound and, and overwhelming that, that most players don't even, don't even understand what the heck it is they're even talking about or seeing. All right. So one of the things that we got back from the feedback is, you know, what, what would you like about it? And of course, yeah, I love my teammates. I love the fun. I love learning it. Uh, I love playing it. So on and so forth, usuals and, and, and the majority of the ones that, you know, what would you like to see changed? And and since they are confidential, it is the parents, my my, my parents and, and my coaches. I wish they'd they'd create more fun in it and, and build, you know, I, I felt comfortable talking to them or asking why instead of, you know, feeling insecure about it and, and stressed out about it. And those are key words. Insecure and stress. Man, you don't want to be that as a parent. You don't want to be that as a coach. You want to be remembered 25 years from now as, as the greatest coach they ever had. Or, hey, you know what? Man, Johnny and Susan's uh, mom and dad, they, they were awesome. I love going to games with them. I love cheering them. They were always made it fun. Right? You want to be those people. But I think what happens is we've forgotten to share with our players and our children what it is that we love about baseball. What it is that motivates us to still be involved as a parent, as a coach, what, what, what is your passion? So share that with them. Get them on the page with you. Let them know, man, that you are in this journey with them. You love being in this journey with them, and you're going to try with everything you can to make it fun and allow them and encourage them to ask the question, why? Why do we do it that way, coach? Why, mom? Why, dad? That is a question that needs to be asked from the youth. So they learn to have communication skills. They learn to have that power. You know, if you are a player out there listening, hey, you need to reach out to us and say, why? Absolutely. You need to ask your coaches, why? All right? You've got to show that. But don't be so corporate. Don't be so business-like and, and quote-unquote professional. Be professional in a different way, in a passionate way, in a motivating way. All right? You can still have professional content, but do it passionately to drive that excitement and energy in your players, to encourage them to be excited to be coming to the practice and the games. You'll be amazed at where, how your team will change and the culture of your team will change. All right? Let's look at Jim Cromer right here on Youth Baseball Talk, for example. He was a parent that started Youth Baseball Talk. Why? Because he wanted to create something that was educational. He wanted to find out more information from dominant people around the world, but just people in general in the industry for his kids personally, but as well as his teams. And look at what this is growing into an educational portal for each and every one of us to be excited about, to be proud about, to be passionate about, to be excited every week to listen to. That's just one example. Then you've got Earl Parent from The Rope Trainer. 
That's why we do the rope report. He provides me the opportunity to do it. But more importantly than that, he provides a training aid and a training tool that he was passionate about and motivated to build because he had an arm injury. He knew there was something wrong and would always be something wrong as there continues to be. So he didn't just get it right the first time. It took him seven tries to get what it is today. And he was motivated and passionate to say, I have something that I'm going to create that could change and make throwing better for pitchers, for players in general. And he did it. Us here, we do it every day. We argue, we debate, we fight, we love each other, we we laugh. We do it all. But if it's for the better of every player, of every coach, and every parent that we come in contact with, personally, physically, face-to-face, or remotely, anywhere you're around the world, it doesn't matter. You can reach out to us anytime, and you know that. At info, at Dirtbag Baseball Nation, you can ask for Kirk Nolan or Braden, and we will get back to you. You can follow us on social media, at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. That's for Instagram or Facebook. That's at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. And you can follow us on Twitter, at Dirtbag Nation and the number one. Dirtbag Nation and the number one. Reach out. I can guarantee you 100%. We will set up a time to video chat if we need to do that. We will dialogue. We will help you any way possible. We get your mind right. We get your passion going in the right direction. Whether you're a player, a coach, or a parent, hey, we can move the mountains. We can create an exciting, oh, energizing possibility of endless, endless possibilities. And that's what it's about. Why do we love it? Hey, I think you know every week why we love it. Because there's something that we can change. We can make a difference. Not only in baseball, but in life. And that's empowering. That's exciting. I can't thank you enough for listening every week. I can't thank you enough for reaching out. I can't thank Jim enough for having the show. And I can't thank Earl and the boys at the Rope Trainer enough. All right? So don't be in a stress situation. If you've lost your way, reach out to us. Get in touch with us, and we will make it right. We will get you on the right path. That's what we do. That's what we love to do. And that's why we're all in here listening to everybody, from Steve Stone, etc., on Youth Baseball Talk with Jim. Again, thank you very much. Have a great week, and you all know what time it is. It's time to get up, get after it, and get dirty. Great stuff, as always, from Kirk. And again, uh, I'll be expecting a, a message here in a few, couple of days with, hey, you know, you're so right, I've seen this, or, Jim, you couldn't be more wrong. And you know what? I love to be wrong sometimes because it means i got something to learn. So great stuff, as always, from Kirk. And, again, I know you guys love him. Uh, he's doing a great job, great representative from uh, theropetrainer.com, as John Smoltz says. Everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Get yours today at theropetrainer.com. All right, my man, Justin Stone, uh, been putting out – Pumping out some videos lately. Lots of great stuff going on with EliteBaseball.tv. If you haven't signed up yet for it, I would encourage you to do so. Go to EliteBaseball.tv. Check it out. Uh, be the best $99 you guys ever spent. I've got so many people. Every kid that I personally work with, uh, the number one thing I ask the parents to do is sign up for it because um, I've learned a lot from guys like him, Rick Strickland. Uh, you know, these guys, uh, you know, Tim Funkhauser, the high school coach here, I've learned a lot from him, but – these guys are the best at what they do, folks. And if you want to be able to 
to help the kids at home, and if you want them to take some ownership in their own game, get EliteBaseball.tv. Teach them how to log into it. Give them the password. Let them get on there and watch these videos. They're watching YouTube anyway. You might as well get on somewhere if they really care about what they're doing and learn something about the game. There's always something to learn there. They do a tremendous job. Let's see what uh, Justin has for us this week. Take it away, pal. Hey, Jim. Halloween has just passed us, and January 1 is marked on my calendar. You might be thinking for a second, well, there's a few other major holidays in there, too. Why is January 1 so important? Because between now and January 1, this is the time that we have to make any mechanical adjustments to your swing. This is the time that we're overhauling things that need overhauled, and we're making mechanical efficiency adjustments because on January 1, your swing is your swing you're taking into the season. So as we get into the new year, we always talk about, hey, we got to get ready to hit in the game now. You know, our big league guys are getting ready for spring training. Our youth athletes, March is just around the corner when they start playing. So we're working on pitch recognition. We're working on timing. A huge portion of that is going to determine how successful we are for that season. Plate discipline, approach. And we're still hitting the greatest hits versions of what I need to work on from a mechanical standpoint, but it's more maintenance at that time. So that's why I always say from Halloween to Christmas or New Year's, this is your time you're truly building your swing and making it more mechanically efficient for getting it ready for the next season. Because once we get into the new year, guys, it's game time. And who you are as a hitter at that point is who you're going to be for that season. That is your swing you're taking into 2019. So this puts a little bit of more importance on what we're doing right now, what we're doing today. Because in November, that means we have two short months to make the necessary swing adjustments before we know 2019 rolls around and it is the season. So what we suggest that you do is identify what are your mechanical inefficiencies. Go back and self-reflect. This is a big portion of evaluating who you are as a hitter is doing that self-evaluation. Write down what your strengths and weaknesses were from summer and fall ball and where you want to see yourself most improved going into next year. By doing so, and you have that cognitive look at who I am as a hitter, I can put my thoughts on paper, sit on it for a day, come back to it, you're going to see right away. It'll jump off the page of what inefficiencies you know you need to work on. Where are you going to improve? Who's going to be the hitter that comes into 2019? So that is how we're going to help you at EliteBaseball.tv is we have the sequential hitting plan that you need to be doing for the offseason that will help you identify your swing inefficiencies and most importantly correct them. So you're going into 2019 with the best version of you, a better swing, and one that's ready for production, and one that you can rest knowing confidently that when January 1 rolls around and that important date, I'm already, I've already built in my best swing and I'm ready to take it to the season. Because the last thing that we want to do as we turn into the new year is have doubt on any of those swing flaws that may have risen in the summer or fall and have doubt that they're still with me come 2019. So the clock's ticking. November, December, game time. You got eight weeks right now to get into the sequential hitting plan, get your mechanical inefficiencies taken care of, and be ready to crush it in 2019. Till next time, this is Justin Stone with EliteBaseball.tv, and we'll see you on the field. Great stuff as always. I would expect nothing less. And again, my recommendation, EliteBaseball.tv. Take a, take a look at it. I know you guys are going to love it. Love to hear your thoughts on it. And again, thanks to Justin for being a part of the show. It's going to do it for us this week. One last time, I want to 
to uh, encourage you guys to check us out, youthbaseballtalk.com. Subscribe to the show there. Please do your Amazon shopping there. It means so much to us. Um, you're doing it anyway and doesn't cost you anything. We get a very small referral. Uh, happy to be part of lineupmedia.fm, home now to the streaming platform, Yo Radio. Download it. Leave them a review. It's uh, very easy to use. New stations coming on board every day. You guys are going to love it. That's Yo Radio in the mobile uh, app store on your mobile device. Uh, at Podcast Baseball on Twitter. If you're involved in baseball and you follow us, we're going to follow you back. Find us on Facebook. Type in Youth Baseball Talk. Like it. Uh, click invite your friends, please. And, of course, uh, you can also find us on Instagram at Youth Baseball Talk. For everybody here, I'll see you on the field. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at podcastbaseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.